I listen to the Black Guy Who Tips podcast because Rod and Karen are hot. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Black Out Tips podcast. Your host Rod and Karen, and we're live on a Sunday afternoon, guys. Yay! Um, and we are talking with one of my favorite people in the world, guys. Mm. Uh, actor, comedian. Uh, you may have seen him on the Daily Show as a correspondent. You may have seen him. I just recently saw him on the Last OG uh he's on he's in space force uh <laughs> i heard him on crank yankers doing another crank call which is yes ironically how i first heard of the brother um he was on an episode Wait, of man. better call saul um and of course my favorite thing that he's ever done which i don't know if it's the lowest budget thing you've ever done but uh the coalition series on yes! youtube we love that it's roy wood jr what's we going on man that oh man chicken sandwiches if it was a crime, crime. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so good man i watch it all the time dude i should have done more but then my girl made me throw away the rappers because they were starting to get a little stank <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can tell season two some of them was like taped up you know what i'm saying they had been through some things some of them had a hard time <laughs> yeah man well yo thank y'all for having me man it's a pleasure to always be in the mix with you and rap i know when we agreed to talk it was simpler times it was it was man it's oh um, not so much right now yeah oh man it, i it's so much stuff to, to to catch up with you about man like last time we had him on the show was 2011 but we've seen roy since then mm-hmm. he came to charlotte and uh, we got to go see him at, at a show yes um hilarious like yes. you get to go see roy please go see him <laughs> if stand up ever comes back y'all if yes. it ever comes back if it ever comes back uh, <laughs> it, it will it'll be in some weird capacity like i heard it's comics right now doing shows at drive-ins and then mm. i heard some other comedians doing shows like setting up a pickup truck and a pa speaker wow in the, like in the middle of the like just in the middle of a parking lot inviting people and this is new york though where people are gonna show up right okay. to that type of stuff i mean you know new york is the home of street talking with a microphone right yeah. so people are used to that i can't do that like you ain't gonna be able to pull up in nashville in a home depot parking lot. <laughs> and then come get these jokes right (laughs) (laughs) so also like um you know since the pandemic hit man like the daily show is still going on it's turned to the daily social distancing show and i I, i'm a religious watcher of the daily show i watched it from john stewart to trevor noah and i feel like you know trevor noah is so good at that fucking job It's, it's like i feel like people went from like why they picked this nigga to like maybe maybe he can explain what's going on in the world to make me laugh so that's dope but how is it recording now like remotely and then doing like different skits and moving all that stuff to zoom it's 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 been a process creatively but you figure it out like where i am right now this is where we shoot the show so so i spent the first two months of quarantine in new york me and my girl our son and then you know he's four man he needs yard space he got to run around so we drove 16 hours to Birmingham. Mm. And so as soon as I got to my mama's house, I was like, yo, I need to put a green screen up in your garage. Yo, I need a spot to post up and keep doing what we do. And we figured out a way to adjust uh, creatively. Right. Because the thing, the thing that's like, that's still hard to nail is how fast the move like you know how they say 25 hour news cycle i think we're in an eight hour news cycle it's shit that'll happen at eight in the morning you won't even remember at 5 30 right if the day is crazy enough you know right. so 
it's a matter of still figuring out how late in the day to shoot the show to make sure you're capturing as much of what happened today mm-hmm. as you could. Like if you look at when the protests first started turning from night from daytime to nighttime, right? Mm-hmm. You would have a whole show that's just about the protests and nothing about all of the unrest and stuff that started going on at night. Right. And so I think that's the bigger issue with the show. But thankfully, you know, Trevor's been able to keep, you know, the core of the show together and, you know, he's paying the crew that we aren't using right now out of his own pocket. So That's we're crazy. able to still keep cooking and still make the show that we would have been doing in studio. Cause at the end of the day, where there's pain, there's laughs. Right. And it's a matter of figuring out what the laugh is about depending on the severity of the wound. So, you know, you have to give some wounds time to heal, but you know, it's been cool. It's challenging. It's, it's ch- tomorrow is going to be challenging. We're back on the air on Monday. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. And it's, but you can't run from it. And it's still the thing that I, that that uh, I really love is that it's still funny, but it's still informative. You know what I mean? Because like, it's hard to watch the twenty four seven like news like that. Yes. That that was that's too much really. Because like at this point news isn't even really filtered anymore it's just straight up like we're live at the protest oh they just hit somebody upside the head right Back to you joy and yeah. want to explain this shit and so like knowing like comedy kind of provides a filter even when you know even when you're not trying to but it kind of provides a filter because you had to take a raw thing convert it into something funny poignant relevant whatever silly whatever and then and then you're giving me the same content but but that's why i'm anxious man like i'm anxious to get back on on the air because we're the blackest show in late night yeah yes in terms of minority that ain't a dig at everybody else right speaking facts right we have the blackest most diverse cast yes this is a fucking black issue right so yo let me add them Give yeah, me, give me a microphone and a script, man. I'm ready to roll. I'm in my mama's garage. <laughs> yeah. I got the camera. Yeah, <laughs> I love. I and that's the thing. Like, it's still it's funny, but that anger, that sadness, that all that shit is in there. It's like a it's like a fucking gumbo. You know what I mean? Like it's it's all these different things that that boil into like what makes it like such a great product, man. Because I, like I said, I, I watch the show every day, and it's always like, all right, we're still gonna find a way to make comedy out of tragedy essentially and that, yeah that's and needed. it's not in any way to ever disregard right. tragedy. it's mm-hmm. about bringing attention to it and making sure that we're focused on the right things that will facilitate change and right. not just do another walk around the merry-go-round of pr statements and political social media digital black square hugs and shit like right. that right and making sure that we are doing things that are actionable but you can laugh along the way yeah so like that's that's all we're trying to do and you know trevor's the head of the snake with that and the thing that i envy the thing that i've always envied with trevor i think the biggest difference between him and say me jabuki young white and dulce sloan who are the other yeah. black folks on the show um i think i think the biggest difference is that because trevor came up in south africa with apartheid Apartheid was very clear and cut and dry. You ain't shit. Right. You ain't gonna never be shit. This is where you ain't shit motherfuckers supposed to go live. Right. Now go over there and don't be shit. So it's more clear cut. <laughs> right. Whereas when you grow up in like like me and Dulce and Jabuki, when you grew up in eighties, nineties racism, it's right. everything's great, nigger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, everything's fine. 
Black people are good. Nigga, get the fuck back over here. You could be president, nigger. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so we've received this mixed message. So now there's a there's an anger. Right. You know, there's a betrayal in the underlying of our feelings as black Americans versus right. South Africa. And I think where Trevor comes from is a much more level place because to get the jokes, to really land the jokes, mm-hmm. they can't always be from an angry place. Right. right. It's a very, it just it, as a comedy show in terms of execute, because there's been days where I've been mad in the motherfucker. I wish there was footage. And this is, this seems so trivial now. Right. But at the time when, um, when April Rain started Oscar So Black, the mm-hmm. Oscar So White, and the day the Academy Award nominations came out, we had a black people meeting in the break room that morning. Like, there's a morning meeting at the Daily Show at 9 a.m. where all the writers and producers all get together to discuss the issues. Black people had a separate meeting at 8.30 about the Oscar nominations. Like, right. What the fuck? Straight out of Compton didn't get shit. Right. You're telling me motherfucking Creed didn't Right. When we had an opportunity to get all of that vitriol out of our system so that you could then go and make the show mm-hmm. and figure out where the jokes are in the midst of that anger. And, right. you know, because I grew up with the betrayal I can be angry sometimes to the point of not being able to create productive comedy in that mm. moment. Yeah. And that's something that's, and that's something Trevor doesn't have, which right. I respect. So it's like, I can pull Trevor to the side and go, nigga, this is what you need to say to them. Motherfuckers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They've had like truth. They've had like truth and reconciliation meetings over there in South Africa. Like in South Africa, they've had like yeah. a come to the table. Like what are we going to do about we acknowledge. Yeah. They had... We don't get no acknowledgement. <laughs> yeah. We get, like, we don't know what y'all talking about. Yeah. And I think the other part of it, and I, I like, uh, like I said, I love the show. So, um when they hired trevor out and people you know like he's not even from here and shit i was like that's kind of good though because we got to watch him go through like almost like an introduction to like america news and racism and shit on the air daily you know what i mean so it's like five four times a week we watch this dude kind of go from like hey man it can't be that bad to like oh this is fucking bad and i still remember the episode where he talked about philando uh castile and all these people were sharing it was so viral and shit and i was like you're kind of watching the dude come into what like get to know uh, our shit to be like oh this is oh it's a different kind of fucked up like y'all dealing with something else and i I, you know i appreciate that there's um there's an old segment from year one of trevor where he compared donald he said if you find it on youtube it's called donald trump is an african yes yes and so he breaks down everything that Mugabe and all the other people in Africa and the way they've been treating their people. And he one-to-ones the actions of African dictators to what Trump had been doing up until that point. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a light bulb moment for a lot of people as well, where yeah. it's on some shit where, oh, he has been through all of this before. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, like, <laughs> tell, tell us more. Right. Like, how we going? So, how are we supposed to get through this, bro? You, uh, exactly. <laughs> you got some tips, and you I, know what I mean? And I just think that we need a lot of different type of black voices in this fight. I think we need a lot right. of different approaches to the solutions. And I think the stick that Trevor yields is probably, you know, very important. But yeah. what I also love is that he don't hold me back right and if it's something blackity black that i want to go do yeah yo go do that shit we yeah. walk through this 
we walk through the south side of Chicago with some real OG gangster disciples who trying to clean up the neighborhood. And we found jokes, but we also found levity in that. My first, my first two stories, this, this is, this is one of the daily shows on some different shit. Um, my first two stories on the daily show was, uh, police by studying police bias training in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And the Madison police department had just had a similar killed a black person. You didn't have no business killing type incident. Mm -hmm. And we went in to have a real talk with the police chief. Like that's a serious issue. That's week one of the day. Right. The next piece I pitched, <laughs> the next piece I pitched was the 20th anniversary of the million man March. Mm -hmm. And you know, you just, you just say some shit to your white boss. and be like, <laughs> they ain't going to prove this shit. Right. So what you want to do for your next story? Uh, you know what? I think I want to take some cameras down to Washington, D.C. and walk with these black people that's marching to see where we are from 1995 till now. And Trevor's like, okay, yes, go. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we've been able to tackle, you know, or at least I've been able to tackle a lot of real shit where right. there is a little more anger, where there is a little more vitriol about the issues right and so you know i think in that regard you know trevor's been on point and the show has been on point with that it's just that i feel like everything we've done for the last four years has just been preparing us for you know the coming weeks of right. you know where the country goes from here and you know the types of stories that we tell on this show mm -hmm. are going to be pivotal and, you know, helping people see a way through, but also keeping the foot on the neck of the motherfuckers that's responsible right. for this type of system being in place. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a different environment, man, like than anything I've seen before. Because, I mean, you got the pandemic, everybody's in their house. You have, yep. Then you got the protests, everybody's <laughs> out the house. You right. got then the, you got niggas you got ain't the, got jobs. Yeah, you got the MAGA protests, which is a totally different protest where they ain't in the house. Yeah. All this shit yeah. is colliding at the same time. And then you know at the core of i think i just have such an appreciation for comedy is because at the core of it it's still to get to a goal right. but they're like like i've never watched a show and been like this shit ain't even funny because that's life life is yes. already at some this shit ain't even funny i've mm -hmm. always like i still have such uh i still have such appreciation because i'm always like yo this shit is still funny like <laughs> i like i don't know how uh and it got longer too like the mm -hmm. the daily show now is like 38 minutes or something yeah it's 45 it's a 45 minute show yeah, yeah. comedy central canceled david spade and they were like you know what it's a lot going on. <laughs> right. Yo, it's the 15 more minutes. <laughs> and I, I like, like I said, tremendous appreciation for that. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I also watch, uh, Dan Levitar's, uh, Highly Questionable, which I, I love that show as well, but it had to get shorter. You know what I mean? Like, there's no sports. You know, now, it, like, you, you talk yeah. a little bit about the issues, you know, maybe play a couple viral clips, you make jokes and stuff. But now it's like a 20 minute show when it used to be a 30 minute show. Cause, you know, people feel like it's not as much material or there's a lot of material we don't want to touch. And y'all still find a way to, to not, y'all do more now than y'all right. did before. Yeah, it's been dope, man. Then he's been able to get a lot of different people that are on the front lines of all this. Trevor been talking to a gang of mayors. Yo. You know, and, I think the thing we're going to have to change just as correspondence is probably some of the pieces. Like I did a piece uh, right before um, our break two weeks ago, a, a piece of mine aired 
where I spoke with um, this black barber out of Harlem, Chris Brown, and just mm-hmm. talked about, you know, what black hair care professionals, how are you surviving with no customers? Basically. Right. And then we had him show me how to cut your hair in mm-hmm. your house. And so that was the segment. And that's dope. It's speaking to something black professionals are going through. Right. But now, that ain't the type of piece that right. would even... Right. I don't even know if we can air that right now. Like, mm-hmm. that's one you would have to put on the back burner. But at the time... That felt right. So, right. you know, it's our jobs as correspondents to capture the feel of what's going on in the streets and then go out and get that. And right now, the feel in the streets, mm, niggas ain't worried about how to cut their hair. Right, right. right. Yeah. So, and, and shit is changing too in such a quick manner. Yesterday, Plus, I was, if you went to a protest, you may as well go to the barbershop. Fuck it. Right. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> At this point, someone should just set up on the corner. <laughs> Just set right? up, set up a chair on the corner and be like, "Look, I man, got you. look, I dog, got you. you already hey, out here. I mean, you I mean, already out here. Let me give you the face. I yeah, mean, like t- 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 tip whatever you can. Hey, what they say? You gonna look casket fresh? Like, look, yo, at least you ain't got you ain't got to be fucked up, bro. After this, man, I got you. Come on, if they catch your own film while they beating you, you gonna have a fresh dude. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh that that the like i saw a story yesterday that said um it was like these two black protesters got no black people got married at the protest and they had a wedding dress and a dude in the tux and shit and everybody was like that is fucking tacky as shit you went to a was protest? it mad because of the marriage or because it was he was getting married to a white girl uh, it was a white girl, <laughs> it was right? a black girl it was a black girl the one i saw wait it was more than one wow have wow! The chat. Have the chat. Go check it out. Yeah, go chat. Investigate. Yeah, chat. Black let, Black Twitter CSI. Get on y'all this. Y'all, let us yeah. know. I know yeah. they know. So I, I saw racial Black Lives Matter. <laughs> 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 yeah, I saw the uh, I saw the one with the black couple, and people was like, you know, this is tacky. They can't, they got married at the protest. This is about George Floyd. And then later, uh, so like that morning, everybody was like, fuck them. And then later it was like, uh, someone said, I guess that new one was like, no, they already had a wedding date planned. The venue won't let them, wouldn't let them cancel. Uh, this March was planned two days ago. So clearly they couldn't have fucking known. They were getting married anyway. And then they walked out and was like, well, fuck it. And now we protested. And I was like, oh, oh well, that's totally different. And right. I, but yeah. imagine if you would have made like a, a piece on that or a segment or jokes on that. And literally by that night, it's like, you can't use them jokes. That's not even what fucking happened. Now you're just Correct. piling on these black people. And see, and that's where Trevor has an advantage over me, because my ass would have put up a whole set <laughs> and been wrong. <laughs> and then Trevor would have been like, let us wait, let's see, and analyze the reaction. Because you want to capture the thing? Mm-hmm. Like, when you're looking at what to build jokes from, everybody's saying it was a black couple. Okay. Right, cool. So it's a black couple. Um, when you're looking at the materials from which to construct a joke, right? Yeah. You have the event, you have whatever it was, the people or the things that caused the event to happen, mm-hmm. and you have the fallout from the event. Those are essentially the three quadrants of any issue in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas I will just see the thing happen. Right. And Trevor's like, no, let's see what the reactions are and see how people are responding to it. Right. And then there's jokes in that. And that's when you start, like, it's almost like you have to give Fox News a day. Right. To see what they think about it as well to really boil down, you know, an issue. Yeah, well, it's, it's that formula, right? Tra- tragedy plus time equal comedy. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Whereas, like, the, and I think now more than ever, 
hate that phrase anyway now <laughs> with social media and shit like time has become the thing that we don't wait for anymore it's like immediate right. thoughts immediate you know immediate jokes immediate observations immediate analysis and it's complete it's always in that mode you know what i mean and i think that's what separates kind of the professional from the from the the amateur or the professional right. from just the regular commentator is that there is a process where you're supposed to be like hold well, up let's refine it the other thing is that we're a television show so i'm supposed to give you something that you can't get anywhere else so right. if that's what everybody's spitting on twitter what the fuck i look like on the daily show saying the same shit you see on your feet right so i have to wait a second to really dig deeper and find the other angle to the issue or the cause or the factor in that like i give you a perfect example so minneapolis police department said that they're banning the chokehold right Mm -hmm. they said they're banning the chokehold the article went out two days ago and everybody says hip hip hooray they're banning the chokehold and they are they are this is keep marching people and this is how you get action but then when you dig you find out that the only thing they're banning is the chokehold from the back of the neck you can still choke your suspect from the side and the front my nigga what the fuck is that right so it's almost like you have to see the propaganda the smoke screen that's being put up and then go beyond that and that's what our job is as a show and we could call banning the back of the neck a victory that's fine it's a victory but let me show you how much more we got to climb it's like the Dick Barnado um cartoon for the New Yorker uh, a couple of days ago where you show the white man exhausted and he looks like he's climbed a mountain but then a black person is pointing to show him how much more right of a summit he has to go up to so if everybody captured the the chokehold story at eight o'clock in the morning by 5 p.m. when you find out the rest of those details right. it's like that's what the story is it's right. not the chokehold ban it's how is this legal but this right. part this is illegal but this right. you still do but bitch this is how right. 83 percent of all <laughs> right <laughs> and it, not a lot of this shit happening you right. can still fuck somebody up from the back but more <laughs> often than not when you're trying to choke the shit out of somebody right and keep in mind the chokehold was banned when eric garner was killed it was banned in new york so like you know even even that is not a guarantee of progress even you know and i think you know that like that's that is the 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 absurdity is where the comedy is with racism you know we have a segment on the show fucking with black people Mm -hmm. and it's and it's pretty much us being like this is so fucked up we gotta laugh if like if it wasn't like for this trying. like if it wasn't for this motherfuckers just be in the streets like ripping shirts off and burning know. shit <laughs> you know uh, i also saw that you did uh on your uh, twitter feed uh you went out and um helped with like the cleanup for um some of the local area what was that like yeah so so we had man i could talk all day about that sunday and monday in birmingham but uh the long and short of it is that, you know, youngins and some out of towners came through and did what they did after the peaceful protest, tearing mm-hmm. shit up. And so there's a woman, Dr. Wanaki Adams, who's the first black female optometrist in the state of Alabama, and her offices have been in the civil rights district for the last 40 years. And so, you know, her place was one of the spots that got torn up. And so she was on the news live at like 1.30 in the morning and mm. I'm sitting on the couch. My ass should have been in bed, but right. I see her. And so I threw out a tweet 
to Birmingham, folks. I'm like, yo, if you if you got some energy, let's pull up and we're gonna fix this lady's we're gonna clean up this Aww. woman's spot. And so we ended up cleaning up her spot. There's a black-owned doctor, black-owned pediatric center, all within the same block, mm-hmm. right there on Fifth Avenue. And we were out there for two, three hours. White folks, black folks, young folks. A homeless dude pulled up. I don't know. Wow. I'm a tweet. If so, how are you on Twitter, sir? But okay, that's fine. Yeah, happy you're here. Word of mouth. And we um we cleaned up this spot. Uh, comedian Jermaine Funny Man Johnson. He came through. Uh, he put down a thousand dollars, you know, mm-hmm. in her hand on the spot to help her rebuild. We started to go fund me. Wow. The city of Birmingham came through and they have a small business recovery fund because it wasn't just businesses on that block that got messed up. Uh, there were a lot of like historical museums that got torn up. There were a lot of there's some white owned spots. I mean, white people were coming through as well. Right. And so the story that I hope that people take away from Alabama and the only reason I, is why I try to tell this story now is because. You know, everybody's got an opinion on what Alabama is, right? right? And everybody, everybody, you know, you get your jokes off about Jeff Sessions and Roy Moore, mm-hmm. and that's fine. We've earned those jokes. Right. But then you also have a brother like, you know, Jermaine Johnson, who at the end of the peaceful protests on Sunday told the crowd, yo, it's a Confederate monument a block away. What do you say we go try and tear that bitch down? Right. And the protesters was like, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> so they went over there. You got to find the footage, right? The shit is hilarious, man. Black mm-hmm. folks tied, somebody tied a pickup truck with a rope to a 50,000 ton Confederate monument and tried to pull it down with a pickup truck. And that's how fed up we were with racism. That we was like, nigga, <laughs> get, put a rope around this shit. And it got to the point where the mayor had to come out and the mayor, um, the mayor told the people that were out there, like, yo, don't tear it up like this. This ain't the way to do it. Mm. Give me two days. Give me two days, and I'll have it down. This is Sunday night. He said, I'll have this down by Tuesday. Mm. By Tuesday, I'll have this down. And the man kept his word. By Monday night, the cranes was out there, and they was chopping down the Confederate monument in the city of Birmingham that's been standing there for 115 years. Mm. And so that came from one man taking initiative and another man taking action. Then, because it's a state-controlled monument, I don't have time to get into the details of it. Yeah, that's the footage right there. They mm-hmm. just people had a pickaxe, people had whatever they could get their hands on to try and take down this monument. <laughs> so, the state of Alabama filed a lawsuit against the city of Birmingham and told them that they couldn't, that you can't take this monument down, right? Mm. And they said, if you take this monument down, we're going to fine you twenty-five thousand dollars. We're going to find the city $25,000. Well, a white woman pastor in Durham heard about the fine. She set up a GoFundMe. That bitch got 80000 in it. They're going to pay the fine and get the difference to black rights organizations. Wow. So, so Alabama, too. Right. And that that's the thing, too. Like, I feel like we don't you know, get, like, in the South. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. You got broke up, Roy. Say that again. When cats, cats file off the joke. And like that is too. Hang on. Am I yeah. Up? Yeah. Yeah. You caught up. You said that's yeah. Al- that's Alabama too, right? You know, when you look at there's racism in this state, but everyone else outside of this state disregards this place. So the only people who are going to save Alabama is going to be people from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Every single person in that story that I just told you is a Birmingham resident. Right. So 
that's where the change comes from. And that's why I'm always coming back to that. That's why I tried to, well, didn't try it. That's why I shot my uh, Comedy Central sitcom here last mm-hmm. year. I shot my pilot in the city of Lemons, in the same civil rights district, two blocks away from the pickup truck. Right. So that's also Alabama. And I think that's what's starting to happen. And when you look at what's, and then, then from that, now all these Confederate monuments catching strays. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where Mobile took theirs down. Yep. Richmond, Virginia took theirs down. There's another spot in Virginia that has a slave auction, but the fucking rock that slaves used to stand on. Yep. Get that shit out of here. Yeah. So that doesn't happen if you don't have this initial <clears throat> movement and push from what happened with, with, um, you know, with George Floyd. And I think that's the important thing that people have to, you know, that, you know, with Floyd and Brianna, like to make sure that we don't let those people die in vain and we keep this momentum going. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because, um, one, when the South, when people aren't from down here, they always had this like broad sweeping view of like everyone down here, just sitting around taking it or right. agreeing with this shit and it's motherfuckers fighting and it's so crazy because like most of your civil rights movement leaders in the history of america come from down here right. like it was yeah. people down here being like i'm fed up with this shit and i'm not taking it no more and literally putting their lives yeah. on the line dying to fucking vote dying to to get civil rights for people and shit getting beat by with dogs and shit like how you gonna look at us like we don't got no heart or like our vote should be dismissed and shit like that so you know in north carolina we fight for every day that's why when i saw that tweet that's going around um i don't remember i apologize i don't remember the original young lady who posted it but if you go to janelle monet's twitter janelle monet retweeted it Mm -hmm. where it's a woman it's a it's a birmingham resident legitimately concerned about when the so the clan was supposed to come on wednesday and just shoot niggas at random in the streets that Mm -hmm. was the rumor right which is not an uncommon rumor in Alabama from time to time. Um, but I think the difference is that, you know, because the, the original tweet was basically, wow, the Klan caused the whole city. The city shut down early. They sent home everyone downtown at like 2 o'clock because the Klan coming. Right. The Klan coming. And the mayor had been getting death threats and bomb threats at City Hall because of what he did at the Confederate Monument right. on Monday, which is all that's part of the game i hate to say yeah i think you knew that was coming um but there was this like twitter seems to carry this sentiment of of ooh, the clan was down there and why wasn't this a national story it wasn't a national story because the clan come niggas is standing tall and they right. they ask what right so you know regardless of what was but you know fear and intimidation are no longer tools in your tool belt against the black race i'm sorry to tell you that did y'all see did you see the video of the black lives matter protest where they had the white supremacists with vest on and guns and they was all lined up against their own fences in the backyard looking at the protests they went down the street and i watched that video first of all one of the news stations blared out the white supremacist faces but not the black people that were protesting which make that make sense then the second one was as the black people yeah, got closer yeah. they, they kept turning their heads looking away like they you have a fucking gun shades a bulletproof vest on these people are unarmed they just black and want rights and, and you're turning away like I, I can't i don't want no problems like it, shit was insane 
oh shit we lost roy for a second Hold on, he might be refreshing all right and boom all right little technical difficulties in the background guys we got roy back uh we were just talking about uh the removal of confederate statues and the black people down south and shit and mm-hmm. i know in north carolina it's a fight Glad like that we can't get them in the streets we get them on the goddamn well <laughs> shooting routers down there <laughs> Mount this thing up for you. There we go. We just switched to the phone. I don't know what my laptop going through. Oh, okay. No problem, man. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, also, you've been acting a lot more since, um, we seen you, man. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like, I, I see, I feel like now it's a pleasant surprise. I feel like you don't really promote your acting enough on Twitter and stuff because I never really know when you end shit. I just, turn shit on and i'll be like oh shit roy wood jr news like this what's up like, you know you just pop up out of nowhere you be like oh nice surprise yeah what's what's it like acting more and like you know auditioning or all that type of stuff what's that process like it's fun it's fun man i like to be able to drop in on stuff i think something that's really understated and it's something i'm gonna circle back around to later this summer but the amount of black people that trace has shown love to on the last og Mm-hmm. in terms of guest roles yes. especially black comedians, black women as well mm-hmm. it's innumerable and so to be able to just be on set plus ultimately I want to create content, that's what power is power, acting is cool mm-hmm. but Kenya Barris got a hundred million for three years from Netflix just to make shit he didn't have to be in black as fuck right. he chose to be, right? Mm-hmm. but his money was going to be the same, so it's I look at it as an opportunity to act and be able to, you know, to pop in on Better Call Saul, that's dope. Like that's that to be part of the Breaking Bad universe is just cool in general. Mm-hmm. But I look at this shit low key as college. I never got to go to film school. My mom ain't had a bread. I couldn't get the loans. Right. So I get to learn on set. I befriend motherfuckers. Anybody that look like they cool and to talk to me, <laughs> I'm in your face, I'm asking questions. Because when it's time to make my shows and to do my things, I want to be able to have as much knowledge as I can, right? Um, you know, on the process of it all. Um, like to work with Steve, to be in Space Force is one thing, but then to have a scene with Steve Carell and John Malkovich, that's like to just yeah. see this man work. And I don't even want to get a recipe away of how he creates what he does in the room, but to be able to see that and be like, I, I, I know to that shit that might be something i'll do the next time i'm on camera somewhere so you know it's dope and how much like um did you see yourself being like a, an actor when you were doing like stand-up you know uh you know in college and stuff like like was that on the vision board too a little but i just more just wanted to just sell out comedy clubs that's all i wanted i mean but you're given the mistake you make as a young entertainer is that you inherit the goals of your predecessors, mm. not realizing that by the time you get to those mile markers, the goalposts have moved further back. And that in, like, for example, when I was a young comic, they always, everybody I opened for was trying to get on Letterman or trying to get on Comic View. Right. If you get on Tenure, nigga, if you get on BT Comic View, <laughs> that's when you start getting money. Right. And when you get on David Letterman, David Letterman, oh, that one them white folks get. And there was a time where you could do either of those shows and walk off stage and be handed a career. But by the time I got it, it was still a respected credit. But Letterman in 06 ain't Letterman in 96. Right. Right. So 
it was, oh, I need to be looking ahead of the curve and seeing what's next and seeing what's down the road. So, you know, to be able to be a part of the daily show helps that as well, because that's the other cool thing is that we shoot a lot of sketches on the show. So that's film school, too. You know, so we have opportunities to shoot longer form stuff with, you know, proper directors, proper everything. So it's given me more of an itch. But, you know, my five years at Comedy Central, I've been obsessed with just trying to produce, man. You know, we got the probation sitcom. There's an animated show that I sold about black fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I teamed with a Latina, Danny Smith. Uh, we sold a, a script over to HBO Max about dealing with depression and suicide it, that's a comedy too mm. so it's it's bigger than just trying to to act as much as it is creating projects that speak to a bigger part of the black experience and just what what underdogs are going through in general and the way you get those projects pushed through is by people knowing that you've already swam in those waters. Right. If I do a scene with Steve Carell, or you see me in Breaking Bad, or you see me in, uh, excuse me, if you see me in Better Call Saul, then you question less my level of creative competency mm-hmm. to do all the shit that I actually want to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where being able to pop in on all of these other shows, it helps because then that gives you an opportunity to maybe, like you look at what, look at what Jay Ellis did on insecure right right jay ellis jay ellis flipped that shit from being a series regular on insecure to acting in other stuff mm-hmm. uh he was an escape room he's supposed to be in his top gun sequel yeah and then you look up lo and behold the nigga directed an episode yep. of insecure yep. this season that's growth that's evolution and that's that's it's about learning and seeing everything that there is to do in Hollywood. And so for me, it's not just about acting. Acting is cool, but that's not the be all end all of this mm-hmm. shit. Cause that'd be the quickest way they get you to fuck up out of here. The moment you got too many gray hairs and you ate too right. many hamburgers. And, <laughs> and I'm going to fuck position. Cause I'm too skinny. I'm too fat to be, I'm too big to be handsome, but I'm too skinny to play the fat black friend. Right. Yeah, you gotta pick a lane. Like, (laughs) it's like I'm not quite big enough to be, like Anthony Anderson played it perfectly. Anthony Anderson, front half of his career, big black friend. Right. Then he went on and shaved about 40 pounds on you niggas, and now he's the felt husband and Mm -hmm. got the beard and the edge up. Like, I would have to lose about 15 more pounds to get that Anthony Anderson money. And I don't know (laughs) if I can let go of cheeseburgers, right? I I mean, all these Popeye's chicken sandwiches is delicious, okay? The videos ain't gonna film themselves. I know it's too tempting. Karen, what were you gonna say? Uh, What is the difference between... Uh, because you're, you're around our age where you've been pre-internet and post-internet. Through your comedy career, how has, like, the internet and online kind of, you've seen the, how has it changed how you view comedy? Because, you know, a lot of people are either post, which means everything they do is for the internet, or they pre and they don't want to change over. But you've made that transition where you kind of have changed over. So what what is the big difference that you see? I think the big difference is the type of jokes that you create. You know, when you're doing comedy live or you're doing like a podcast, you can do more long form thoughts. Whereas if you look at what a lot of internet comedy is, and it's still comedy, and I also don't like 
I'm not a fan of people who put internet comedy in some sort of lower tier or some sort right. of that's that's over there. That's internet comedy. No nigga, it's comedy. It's making a lot of money. It's doing mm-hmm. a lot of hits. It has a lot of eyeballs. Your goal as an entertainer, period, point blank, is to get as many people to know about you so that when you show up in their city, they buy a ticket to see you live. Period. Full stop. So. You can hate these little young internet niggas if you want, but they pulling up in your town and they selling tickets around your monkey ass. Mm. So you can either talk shit about them or you can study them and see what the business model is and how they connect and figure out a way of what you do, how that can be infused into their style of connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's quicker. I think it's real. Um, I think it's, there's a certain level. I don't really know what bucket to put it in, mm-hmm. but I think the a lot of internet comedy is rooted in truisms. Like if you look back at, remember, like I'm trying to think when I was at the radio station, my last year in radio was 2012. So let's just say eight, ten years ago, when everybody was doing that moment when. Or mm-hmm. people who such and such be like this. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it was it Francesca Ramsey that started that. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. girls be like, and it was jump cut, jump cut, jump cut, jump cut, jump cut. There was no setup or punchline. Those are just all observational jokes that connect with the truism and the shared experience that we all have as a society. Mm-hmm. So there is a great deal of internet comedy that taps into that feeling of what everyone is thinking in the moment, and then you retweet it because yeah, that's what I be thinking. Right. Ha ha ha. And <laughs> so. You're able to take that and then infuse and add your own points of view or opinions into it. To me, that's something that's another level to it. But I think there's something to internet comedy. I mean, you know, like, (laughs) I'm not going to tell you who said it because I don't want to start no shit. Mm -hmm. But somebody tweeted something along the lines of at the beginning, this is at the very beginning of quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody tweeted something along the lines of all the comedians was talking shit about internet comics now y'all all internet comics yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey look as Back. a as a podcaster man that yeah, was the thing podcast, I, re- I, re- I was like welcome to our world everybody yeah. podcasting now right i remember y'all when thought it was a joke i remember when uh this joint was getting started and it was a lot of people that was like looking down on it or mm-hmm. you know why the hell i want to do that you know and all this shit and now like every comedian just about got some kind of a podcast right everybody i call myself i'm not a stand-up comedian because i don't i hadn't traveled enough i call myself a sit-down comedian i sit right. down and i tell <laughs> my jokes and then the other part of it is what a lot of the what a lot of the stuff is it's becoming interwoven right so Mm -hmm. you have to become good at a lot of the shit and the people that want to elevate that want to get better they're taking all these tools and trying to you know getting a little something from each of them becoming unique in all of it like you know uh, uh instagram live is a different type of vibe than going on twitter and making a thread and t- yes. twitter is different than tiktok and all this and, shit and, and so if you take right. it serious you start studying that shit and you realize the brilliance man i i'm always blown away uh, blown away by how fucking talented some of these people are with special effects and shit on tiktok mm-hmm. like even just like the wipe me that wipe off the fucking mirror that challenge that shit is neat like i'm like nigga when did you learn this like and then and it's like i'll see one person do it i'm like wow that's a talented motherfucker then i see a hundred people doing like 
what the fuck okay. is going on right. in the world? I was like, how did they figure out how to do this? I need to learn how to do this <laughs> is shit. Is this an app? Do these niggas work for that motherfucking, like, Pixar? <laughs> what? Where is this coming from? But by the same token, though, them young niggas also need to take those skills and study what the people before them right. did and understand three-act structure to tell them the story. Right. Because what you can't do in that, you can make a point or you can connect with the truism that we all share. You can do that in 15 seconds, but what you cannot do is tell a full story unless right. you're doing a series of TikToks mm-hmm. and stuff. And right. so when I say a full story, I mean a story in the sense of act one, act two, act three, which is essentially how most television is packaged and psychologically that's how people receive information. So right. it's about focusing on that too. But I mean, there's a lot of cats that made that pivot that I think it's worth acknowledging it. Like when you look at DC Young Fly, mm-hmm. DC Young Fly went from roasting people online, just roasting people, right. building an audience, and then walking his ass out there on that stage and ripping. And then he had enough sense to collaborate with Chico Bean right. and then collaborate with Carlos Miller. And Carlos Miller is, he's another one of them hybrids whose career right. predates a lot of the internet wave. Carlos is a road dog. Like he's an old school, get up on stage live in front of black folks and give them what they want. Right. So, he has a skill set that DC didn't have at the time. But if you if y'all sit and chop it up together and do shows together, now you're the eighty five South show, you selling five, six, seven thousand seats. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like it's amazing. And then we'll post, you look at Kev on stage. Kev on stage is one. Uh yep. mm-hmm. an even better example would be uh Tony Baker at Tony Baker Comedy yes. on IG. Tony Baker, mm-hmm. traditional stand up, who then took a step back. Start parlaying with some of them all deaf, um, all deaf digital niggas, mm-hmm. and then goes, okay, here's how I can create some content quick and easy that speaks to who I am as a comedian, and then still brings people back out to see me live. Right, like though, you know, who is Ryan Davis? Like there, there's a lot of cats that I could name that have figured out a way to ride the line between live show and internet. I just think at the end of the day, the thing that's unfortunate about comedy is that, um. Comedy is not like you, you care if you, like if you want somebody singing, you want a professional. If you want somebody dancing for you, you want a professional. If it's right. an actor, you love to see good acting. You don't want to see no bullshit sketch that ain't shot. Pro- but no one gives a fuck who makes them laugh. Right. Mm-mm. That's true. You just don't. That's true. If it's funny, it's funny. You gonna laugh. So this idea that we the stand-ups are the professional curators and the guardians of it all that's fine we're fine dining right but every now and then motherfucker don't care if you eat at a taco truck right right so you need to make sure that you're doing some of what the taco truck is doing to make sure that you're connecting with as many people as possible the internet is not to be slept on the live comedy experience is going to change because of social distancing mm-hmm. and you know, I don't know what that means in 2021, but I know that it's important that if you're a comedian out here, that you're thinking about all of the possible ways that you can do stuff. And what I, what I hope, you know what I hope don't happen with this podcasting is as the country opens back up, people that have started their podcast just abandon them. Right. Right. Cause then right. they have an audience that will actually come see them. Right. Because, because podcasting is about a community. It's not even about um, Doug Stanhope said this where it's not so much about a career as it is about 
wanting to know that you're not alone and feeling the way you feel. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what entertainment is about. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's very important. That's one of the things that I always took away from my days morning radio is just how close knit of a community it was and, you know, the people that were involved in making the show work um, on a regular basis. I think also there's Um, some good and bad to the fact that the curation element of it was something that was keeping a lot of people out of the game that could have found an audience and now with the internet you having people find audiences that haven't necessarily been vetted and it's obviously the gift and the curse because on the one hand you got people where it's like yo you really had the talent and should have been a person that was attracting crowds and going places Mm -hmm. and blah 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 and then of course you also Mm -hmm. have motherfuckers where you like nigga you're not up here because uh you used to be a nazi or some shit you know like someone would have checked your ass out if they were going before putting you on hbo and that didn't happen so now we have these like you know remember when he tweeted this type of type of uh, type of moments that come too because there is no vetting but i like i i do kind of like the free for all i like the free for all environment a little bit right now because i feel like a lot of the cream is rising to the top my man jl covan just yeah jl covan who's been working fucking grinding for uh, about 20 years now a very talented dude has a video go viral uh roy wood jr is the first like like comedian i saw like be like yo this shit is dope and tag a minute and now you know jail's like the man that fast you know what i mean and that's like boom like you he worked for that there's a story behind that where someone might see it and just go oh this guy's good at trump but hopefully if they go and, and look they're like oh no this dude's funny he's been working he's he's got a bunch of different impressions bunch of stand-up comedy uh albums and all that shit so you know i kind of like this now uh, as opposed to what we used to have but i, I don't think it can last i i yeah. feel like it's almost like the with the people in the streets now and racism coming up i don't know if you've had anybody do this roy but you know like white people reaching out to be like i'm so sorry uh I never, I never knew, Roy. I just, it was, you know, and, and it's I feel like to me. now is the time where people, black people right now are getting in while the getting's good because people bringing up stuff that kind of don't have nothing to do with this they shit. They bringing out the list. But I love, I love it because people are like, oh, if black lives matter, then why'd you skip me in line when we was getting coffee, bitch? Let's talk about it now in front of everyone on the internet. Like, uh, have you decided to, to, to use your chance yet, Roy? I feel like like everybody talks about looting taken away from the conversation mm-hmm. on police reform, but I almost feel like in a selfish way, in like a really, really selfish way, where I'm like, yo, if it ain't black, let me get mine first. <laughs> right. And then, like and then hey, I'm with you. Like, you know what it's like? This is like when you you ever you ever been like at a fast food spot? Yeah, this this is this is what this time feels like. When you be at like a food spot and you're waiting on your order, right? Mm-hmm. And it starts taking 20, 30, 40 minutes for you to get your order, right? Mm-hmm. You standing there holding your ticket, you looking at the number, and they order the ticket number fourteen, ticket fourteen. And then you look at your shit, it say thirty nine. You're like, <laughs> God damn, what the fuck? <laughs> and then you start perping about your food, right? When right. 39 gonna come up? Y'all ain't got 39 back there? Check on 39. And then somebody behind you go, yeah, check on 47. I'd be like, hold on, nigga. Right. We can't check on 47. <laughs> I 
cashing the check on thirty. I'm with you, forty-seven. I'm with you, but first, check on thirty-nine. Right. Can you check on thirty-nine? <laughs> Can we talk police reform? Black trans, black right. women, and you know, workplace black, blackity black, black. I I hear you, forty-nine. Whatever that issue number forty-nine. And so I feel like what's happening right now is that black folks went up to the county and said, fuck this, where's order number 39? We tired of fucking waiting on order number 39. Yes. And then everybody's coming in behind us talking about, yeah, and 47, and 52, yeah. and 33. <laughs> I'm like, I hear you. I hear you. But I need you to just check on order number 39. That's <laughs> all I'm concerned about, but right. Order number 30. And so... On the other side of that, now imagine you're on the other side of the counter. Which order are you going right. to go check on first? Right. 39 or 47, 52. So I just wish that there was a way, and there isn't a way because the internet is wide open. I wish right. there was a way to streamline the conversations into almost itemizing and knocking them all out, you know, mm-hmm. but there isn't. So you just have to hope that white folks are listening through all of the noise you know i've thought about i the one thing i've been tempted to do mm-hmm. is just go back and repitch all the black shows that networks passed on over the past three years for me now it's the time like, yeah you know you got a green like, you got a green like this well something like tell them right <laughs> that's what i like i like all the people have a story every black person has a story and that's and that's the thing is like watching people because it went from like george floyd we with you you know brother we're gonna get this justice for you and everybody was like yeah we're gonna get justice police reform we're gonna get these motherfuckers off our neck and then like maybe like four five days later people start creeping in with personal like gripes and shit like and also julia from accountant bitch where's my check how about that oh you didn't think i would pop up on your ass and everybody's like yeah and that too give Bridget her check you know like I feel like that's what's happening right now it's a free fall it's a royal rumble of just like my favorite thing now is the this you well like yes like a white person tries to do the right thing and say a good statement hey hey I I've been listening to the to you blacks and I I I get it now I've been reading all the books I I, I'm so sorry and people like well in 1995 you wasn't saying that shit remember that like I love it but white folks got to stand tall and take that on the chin. That's the game. Mm-hmm. Don't run. Don't run. You said it, but hey, stay up, stick around, keep doing the right thing, and your work matters. Whether or not there's going to be a lot of black people that don't forgive a lot of corporations and a lot of people personally for the right. way, for the things that they've done. That you should not let that impede you from continuing to try and be in a decent motherfucker. Right. Period. You know, mm-hmm. and and honestly, I almost feel like if we're going to use if we're going to use the, the takeout analogy, maybe it takes everybody ganging up on the pickup window, mm-hmm. demanding their food at the same fucking time for y'all to create a more efficient method of frying the goddamn fish. Right. So everybody ain't waiting 30 minutes on a fucking order, which right. is the bigger issue. The bigger issue is the fact that we are waiting. It's the fact that it's a system in place back there where you got an ignorant ass cook who right. you should have been fired a long time ago. Come on. His daddy mm-hmm. owned the restaurant. So you letting him stay back there when the truth of the matter is that you need new cooks, you need right. new fries, we need all these employees got to go. And the food not even that, that good. The like the food not even right. that good. This is salt and pepper to taste. Come on. Okay, I know y'all ain't putting no cayenne pepper up right. in this shit. You looking like, look, y'all know Leroy don't never come on time. We open up at 11 a.m. Everybody's supposed to be here by 8. The niggas show up at 12.30. We in the middle of lunch. 
you know what this is this is this is black people being like just let me get on the grill then just let me get on the right. grill right they be like Fuck i will it. get us i will I get everybody fed <laughs> have you seen that video where the nigga went behind the counter at popeyes and started boxing up his own chicken yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that it's us. That's literally what police reform is at this point. Like, man, just get out of the way. We yeah, have, let me put some justice in here. Let me put aside <laughs> equality right there. Some police, y'all got some police accountability. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is that back in the back? <laughs> <laughs> that's so true, man. That's, that's so true. That's that's where we are right now, man. And I just think that for as long as the conversation, like it's to the point now when I do media, they start asking me about looting. I just started talking about police reform. I ain't yeah. entertain the question. Well, my I think the best thing to do when they ask you about looting, uh, and I got this advice from uh, Black Twitter. I've been, I've been watching oh, the streets. I know, advice. I know. What, no, no, I know what to say, Karen. Okay, I've been watching the streets. You gotta say burn it all. Okay, you say burn it all down. Fuck all the people and all that. You just go all in because then when no. you go back on Twitter, they're gonna be like, hell yeah, my nigga, you said that shit. You know, like. I tell them no mercy, burn like people, not just things. I'm like, I go, I go extra. Okay. Like they will never question my wokeness. Cause I'm like, yo, burn the fucking orphanage, no. burn like the fucking children inside. No, I, I don't give you, a fuck. Okay. Black lives matter nope. to me. I got okay? on my tap dance shoes. Call me a coon. Cause wow. I'm not going there. Wow. The black woman don't have a black man's back. Nope. That's so sad. I was, <laughs> I was, uh, when we did the cleanup in Birmingham on Monday, after some of the looting, uh, local media was pulling up and talking to me. And it was just, I understand that your job, and this is a bigger institutional issue with the media. I understand your job is to get the quick story and follow the present conversation. Right. But what you should be beholden to is the longer conversation, which is that about police reform. Yes. So you pulling up while I'm shoveling glass asking me, is this wrong to you? And you can pull the footage. I posted it on my Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Adams on camera. She said, if this, if tearing up my shop makes you feel a little bit better with that pain that you're going through, I'll be all right. God is going to rebuild it and give me something better. And so far mm-hmm. we had already raised 20,000 for her. Right. So maybe, maybe she was right. Right. On that one. Just to come so up. I just feel like that conversation, like, you, you know, you know, it's really fucked up now is that. As a black person, I almost feel like, like, you know how everybody say you need a will, you need a last will and testament. Yeah. You always need for people to know what your, what your intentions are, but your belongings. I think every black person needs to write up, uh, what to do in case the police kill me statement. Mm-hmm. So that there's no more arguing about what I would have wanted. True. I hear you. Know, you. Like, yeah, wrong, put it in your, your living will. Hey, hey, black people, as you can see, I'm dead. Right. Please burn this bitch down. Kill them all. Kill the specific. Kill them all. Kill the specific businesses that I ask that you politely <laughs> overlook in my honor. And you, you list the safe list of businesses. The rest of them, please do burn them down. See y'all when you get here. I'm gonna I feel like my, five. my list is gonna have like petty grievances and shit. It's not even gonna be about police reform or no big <laughs> shit. It's going to be like, yo, this nigga, Jason Whitlock, if you see him in the streets, I want you to fuck his hair up. Like, just <laughs> like hold him down and make him have a real fucked up haircut and take a picture of it. Like, just, it's going to be shit like that. Like, uh, go to this Wendy's I got fired from. I got fired from Wendy's. I don't have a problem with Wendy's, but that particular one, burn that shit down. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> don't hug my shit. Yeah, somebody in the comments, Charlene Banks. 
Don't hug my shooter. Yeah. Don't take your knee with the police. Right. Yeah. I, that's a, that is funny. Man. Okay. So we can have a we can have a funny black moment here, guys. Listen. Uh, that is my favorite thing now is the people doing completely different shit at the protests. Because you know you have like your the, obviously we all understand the righteous anger of people that are up front like you know fuck this, you know that. But then it always be like in the background niggas doing like the macarena with police and shit. You're like what? what part of the protest is this like who what what section is this who led this like i'm like i'm not trying to like i don't want to like come here and back you know backseat drive your fucking protest but like no one thought about the optics of when this one goes on twitter next to you know the cop that's beating people's ass like this is all bad correct correct but you're going to have again it comes back to what we said at the top of this whole thing different quadrants of blackness yeah everybody got a different way of trying to attack this elephant if you think dancing with the police is gonna help yeah twerking with the police twerking on the police like get don't get it dog it's just funny man it's like i have to laugh just because you know we're trying everything whenever people do i'm not my ancestor shit i'm always like bruh we literally are trying everything this is the fucking vcr at your grandparents yeah. crib we are trying to make ah! this bitch work k k can talk about don't wobble with you know what it's it's <laughs> fine if you think that's the work that needs to be done but i would respect dancing with the police more if it happened at night yeah that's like <laughs> you ever notice any dancing with the police footage is in the morning like one in the afternoon right where we could there's plenty of sunlight do that shit at 10.30 at night. Right. If you can convince the police <laughs> at 10.30 at night to wobble, that's progress. Yes, it <laughs> that's is. That's real progress. I want to see the, uh, like, if you, I just can't believe, like, you can hate black people enough to where some chick is twerking on you at 10.30 and you're like, I'm going to get the pepper spray. I can't. Ah! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to make a point this for the police. a little too much booty for me. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, honestly, if protesters did the wobble it would it would hurt their ability to say that they're all violent true because you can't loot and wobble at the same time true i loot with instructions right (laughs) 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 they doing that they doing that drake song and shit like left step to the left and everybody break that (laughs) (laughs) come on now (laughs) that's wrong that is funny yeah we gotta laugh you gotta laugh man (laughs) oh man oh but yeah man so uh, what's next man like what are you looking at because i know right now it's a pandemic everything's shut down but eventually one day hopefully we make it through this plane you can get in a plane again or whatever what like what kind of things are you looking forward to on the horizon i still had um i had a um hour special for comedy central that i was set to take in dc in november we're gonna push that um a little further down the road but Right now, you know, we're just cooking for the Daily Show. We still have an election. Don't forget, niggas, in the middle of all this shit, mm-hmm. we still got to choose a new white man to again <laughs> run this shit. So we we got to keep our foots on the necks of democracy with the Daily Show. Yeah, you know, I'll just stand up where I can. But for the most part, right now, you know, there's um I can't talk about it in detail, but there's like a podcast slash radio slash TV project that I'm excited about that I think is going to do the things uh, for the people. So I'm starting to work on that. Uh, the animation project is still in play. The uh, television show where I play a probation officer 
trying to show how recidivism happens within the system. That sitcom is still in play with Comedy Central. So, you know, there's enough pots that were already on the stove that I can kind of turn the heat back on mm-hmm. once, you know, once the states open up again, assuming that that Corona part two don't come and kill everybody. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, the sequel going to be uh, ter- terrible. I'm, Hopefully we don't you? see that. Yeah, I feel so bad. I really think the coronavirus is out there doing the Birdman hand rub. I tell everybody, but oh, more people. Yeah, that's the other part because you see these like protests and shit. It's like, bruh, like if these like in, in fourteen days or so, if everybody's in the hospital, it's gonna be crazy, man. But that's just how desperate we are for our fucking lives. You know what I mean? Like it's literally mm-hmm. like it's it's like people, it's it's like people like if you go outside, you might die. It's like nigga that's what it, the problem is that's, that's what it was the, the corona like, like i i, I <laughs> you know i i was I worried about getting pulled over in my car for a broken tail light mean, and dying and now it's still dying okay yeah like literally i can't breathe and i can't breathe nigga that's the fucking point of being out here it's, it's, it's too much i tell you this much if corona don't come back in two weeks then i know for sure we good as a society yeah because if you stood in a crowd of people all yelling they say yeah. corona travels six feet on a regular chat how far you think corona going when people screaming for justice that's a right. 20 foot spittle right so if you can survive standing in a corona umbra- uh, umbrella of corona sprinkles right for days at a time ain't yo if, if ain't nobody sick in two weeks fuck it we open it back up back to business did you get so, um that means black folk i know i got mine last night but did you uh did you get your Drew Brees apology yet? He came by the crib um last night about eleven o'clock. He was he's tired. He's been going around. He he uh knocked on the door. I saw the ring alarm. I went outside and he, he still he did social distancing, he wore a mask and he said he was sorry. Uh I accept it for my part. I can't say for other black people, but he's going house to house, so I don't know if he came through. No, he coming to the cookout, y'all might as well get used to it. He he Drew Brees get a plate and eat out on the curb. Like you ever had <laughs> You ever been at a family gathering? Is that one boyfriend nobody in the house like, but he still come by because tradition, <laughs> and he just got to eat. That was that was my dad for a minute. Like Aww. my dad, so my grandma didn't like my dad for a minute. It wasn't long, but that was like about two years of rockiness. Mm-hmm. So whenever uh, my mom would send me to Mississippi, my dad would come pick me up, right? And my dad would come to my grandma's house, and if the drive was too long, he was too tired. He would get he would stay at a hotel up the street. But then would come to the house, sell a ship, eat, all that. But he knew he wasn't allowed to spend the night in my mm. grandmama house. So it's like, that's Drew Brees. Bring the food, drop it off. We might give you a plate round back. Right. And then, you know, get the hell on. Yeah, he ain't going to be able to. Coming. But I, I, I do, I do I find it funny that he was able to make the full cycle in like three days like he went he went from like you're disrespecting the flag to like listen donald trump you son of a bitch black lives matter to me and that's what i'm saying and that's where i need to know it's not performative right Mm -hmm. now all we have is words because it's not time yet for actions and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. so if Breeze, even if Breeze was out there marching with the people, I don't know if that's enough for black people to ever forgive him for what he said. Because mm-hmm. usually the first thing you spit, that's what you really feel. Mm-hmm. And you can go get educated from your black teammates. <clears throat> and I think there are ways for him to be actionable and change and not performative. Mm-hmm. But even still, he's just got to be cool with the fact that some black folks are never going to fuck with him again. But yep. like I said before, you can't let that keep you 
from continuing to try to be part of the solution. So how so how many everybody the lightning shit is a fool's errand. How many touchdowns do you think it would take? Like on your fantasy team. On your fantasy team. Like if he threw fifty, you think you could come around on him? (laughs) (laughs) Drew Brees to even have a chance at redemption of the black community. Mm Mm-hmm. Drew Brees would have to leave his wife for a black actress. Mm, yeah, that's okay. I can I'm see trying, that. I'm trying to think. I, I, I of, can see that. He definitely to had to take a knee. He had to take a knee every game. Like you can't do it one time at the start of the season. He had to take a knee. Like I won't take a knee so long that the black people on the team was like, "Drew, get up! You embarrassing us." And you're like, "No, brother, I, I fucked up that bad." You know. Like who? I'm trying to think of. Like if Drew Brees somehow convinced Regina King to marry him, then the black mm. community would be like, "That's a good one." Yeah, that is a good. That's one. a good one. It, it, ah, he ah. got to make his own plate though, right? <laughs> like it'll be that. Like I don't know. I just think, don't know if it's a way. You think Kaepernick gonna get back in the league? Because I, I mean, there's a lot of like you know buzz around the NFL making a statement. A bunch of NFL players made a statement. Is there any chance? cap gets in the league i don't think goodell's goodell can't have a power to, to get him in the league because he, he's tried that already but like one of these owners might bend. i don't think any of the owners will bend to let cap back in the league mm-hmm. but it depends on how much the black players start wilding out because with goodell saying y'all can peacefully goodell basically opened the door to say we was wrong to fuck with y'all for the way y'all was protesting right mm-hmm. Nigga. Do you understand the type of protest? You thought you you gonna wish all black folks did was taking me. Brothers gonna be coming out with Wakanda flags coming out the tunnel. <laughs> like it's gonna be displays of black pride on levels that are straight horrific 1969 level. Yes. And so one thing that could happen to quell that is to get Cap back in the league. Ironically. Cap might be the one person who can save the league mm. from imploding under there's too much blackness. We can't control it. The white fans. Right. What are we going to do? <clears throat> Just give Cap his job back. Maybe that'll calm the niggas down. <laughs> that that's, I'm serious. Yeah, like, no, that's what they that, wanted in the first place. That's the truth. That's right. the truth. Uh, there's two things about it, too. Like, So one, I feel like if he gets the job, like I would love to see him get the job back. And I think what would help is if black players start wilding out in the post game when their quarterbacks is sorry. Like I would love, like if it's like, man, this nigga for real, we can have Kevin nigga. We dealing with this bullshit, like air, like five different yes. teams every week because some of these niggas are sorry. Yeah, these- they'll be like, y'all got this nigga from the goddamn Seven Eleven, right? This nigga is sorry, man. Now fuck that, like just Jalen Ramsey going off. I would love that. The second thing is this: if he does get a job, this then becomes as black people the most united we have have ever been behind a quarterback it, it, i think it's back to mike vick in philly when even if he had a bad game we was yeah. like nah man look at that shit man that nigga dropped that pass because he loved dogs more than um people or something like fuck that like i think we're gonna be like that with cat was like you fuck up a pat this nigga a coon bro he didn't even catch that touchdown you making cap look bad out here block block him white boy you know we're gonna be back on that <laughs> I, think, I think cap i just don't see a way back man yeah. i just don't think any owner 
is going to deal with that other than maybe the San Diego Chargers because they have no fans to lose. Mm-hmm. Maybe them, they're the only ones because their fan base is just so trash. They, they already hate the Chargers because right. they moved to L.A. So I think I think uh, our, I think our owner could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, David Tepper could do it here at the Panthers, but I don't know if he will. But he could. You just let Cam go. Yeah, but Cam. Cam he let Cam go and replaced him. Replaced him with who though, my brother? The true undefeated quarterback. The true undefeated quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, never lost a game as a Saint, and he our quarterback. Like. Um, the other thing is, I don't know if you heard this news, That's but good. CPI Security, who is a major sponsor of the Panthers, um, they took that L. They had a, uh, they had someone write them, an activist write them to say, hey, you know, we would like you guys to, to like participate in some of this Black Lives Matter stuff. And the dude that at CPI, the CEO wrote them back in the email was like, you need to worry about black on black crime. Panthers cut that shit off la- like immediately. Like last night, I was like, fuck it. That's our biggest sponsor gone. We don't fuck with them no more. So I don't know. I'm leaning like maybe we could get nice. him. And he did sign Eric Reed. Somebody yeah. said that. That's a fair point. I'm that's just, fair. I hope, uh, man, okay. that's who I, I would love to see Cap here. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, just so we could, you know, finally, uh, root for it. Like, I feel like that's the only way to replace Cam with something even blacker. Like, it's like, we God, even blacker. It's like, they went from Cam. This is, see, they on our side. That's how the racists would be feeling. And then when they get Cap, they'd be like, God damn, this, this nigger's even worse. Bring back Cam. Like, I, I want that feeling. So I hope they, they do it. Man. You know, and it's already Carolina Panthers, so they're just going to call y'all the Carolina Black Panthers. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Bring it on. All oh, the sports radio shows going to have that. Oh, yes. I'll be ignorant, dog. I'll go back to, like, I might go to a game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I might go to a fucking game out this bitch. <laughs> What's yeah. going on, my whites? Excuse me, brother. I just I need to get to these seats. I think they're just going to not let players come out during the anthem. Yeah. I think that's probably what they'll end up doing. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing, though. I I always felt like they – Cap won the narrative the day he took that knee. It did – like, they can't stop this. They thought that they could squash it, but – it's like the NBA. The NBA went through this a long time ago with mm-hmm. Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, yes, where he took the, he, uh, did the prayer during the national anthem and people was like, no more protesting it. I'm like, all you did was make people become more outspoken. Now NBA, NBA players are on some other shit. Yes, they like, are. Like, it's like, these, it's like these niggas don't work for nobody. When they be mm. on Twitter like, hey man, fuck Donald Trump and right. anyone that fuck with his stank ass sign LeBron James and fuck Drew Brees too. Fuck it. Like they, Stand. they go into other leagues and, f- and talk shit about them. They players. LeBron, there, there's, I honestly feel like that Roger Goodell video, the NFL commissioner, mm-hmm. like that shit looked like a hostage tape. <laughs> Didn't it? Like homie was just like, we love black people <laughs> and for far too long, the injustice is, uh, against black people (laughs) is too terrible and we at the NFL stand against racism (laughs) (laughs) black black lives matter please bring me home here's a picture of today's newspaper Uh, I love my family (laughs) (laughs) oh man it was so good I I loved it cause it's just them niggas made them bow down bro so 
you know that gives me a little bit yeah. of hope i don't know you know cap's getting a job i'm, I'm with roy on this way i i believe it when i see it same but there's more more there's more momentum for it now than i think there's ever been because everyone is getting in the the this is ticket 37 and kaepernick over here like i got ticket number one i'm hungry as fuck and yeah. i haven't eaten you know yeah we'll see man we'll see well all right roy man you we- think, if you think this is really crazy mm-hmm. drew Brees said all that shit and he got black teammates imagine what some of these baseball players ain't but like eight brothers playing baseball right now Mm-hmm. ain't no t- baseball been mighty quiet yeah I, i'll tell you i'll tell you who uh who i think would come out i don't even know his name but he my favorite baseball player uh that nigga that was like i'm so go out there with the rona no mm-hmm. uh-uh, we gonna it's gonna be a lot more twitch live stream that's facts that whoever that uh white dude is that was talking like that that dude it, that's the only one i think might be on our side i'm trying to think of who i tell you who's on our side for real is this black brother adam jones um who when he used to play for the Orioles, he was the one that got the batteries thrown at him in Boston. Mm. Like four, three years ago, <clears throat> he was just in the outfield and white folks calling him nigga and throwing batteries at him. Like, I think that brother would probably. Well, yeah, he definitely, I mean, I assume, <laughs> damn, you know, I was just about to say, I assume most of the blacks, but then you're right, Roy. I don't know. Like <laughs> it is the MLB and it does depend on like, like that end i know there was a dude that that adam jones took the knee twice right um was he the one that took the knee uh yeah, i'm not sure yeah so i i mean there might be a couple but you're right i do want to know where they stand because i i mean that's a very fucking conservative organization man they don't really like their players talking about that kind of shit and then you got a lot of people that are like cuban and whatnot but they might not have identified with the black experience like that to feel like they they can or should say something so yeah you're right mlb is kind of quiet you can't avoid it though my nigga you can't be quiet you have to choose when the nba and the nfl have already said something it's gonna be all eyes on you it's the same with all these corporations which is how you know a lot of it is performative right but even if it is performative Fuck it, I'll take it as a starting point. Come Me on. Goddamn, when, when Nickelodeon then goddamn made a statement. Nickelodeon, the porn awards made a statement. Dog, black, black.com made a statement. I'm not joking. Y'all can go to their Twitter account, black.com. I said, <laughs> goddamn, black lives matter? God right. damn. They was like, we care about the polls. Like, and, 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 and the black lives that affected. I went to look it up as a joke. Like, wouldn't this be funny? i was gonna act them and be like you know where y'all at you know and these motherfuckers was out there like listen okay and during the uprest in times like these i said god damn somebody said kk said black lives yeah that's what i said yeah black lives matter okay they was out they was in full effect they was like y'all not gonna catch us slipping okay we work with too many blacks shouldn't have to made a statement they should have been like look as you can see from our minute links we don't say nothing racist during any of our scenes it's not even that it's just appreciation okay mm-hmm. this ain't a fetish it's a lifestyle okay like Come they on. just they took it to the next level all right man we're you about know, to you know what all this performative racism is man like the performative apology is man it's Remember when you go to McDonald's with bad service in the drive-thru and they pull you over to the side <laughs> and then when they come out and they come out and they bring you your food, yeah. they throw an extra apple pie in there for you. Yeah, yeah that's it. Just an apple pie. Hey, 
Sorry about that. It's an apple pie. That's what that's what a lot of this corporate stuff feels yeah. like. It's just a little apple pie to make you feel. I know you're angry, but look, here's an apple pie. Well, what you should be doing is changing everything that's going on inside that damn store that right. you have to pull over to the side in the first place. All you niggas make is meat and fries. Right. Why the fuck <laughs> am I pulling over to the side to wait on meat and fries? So you do. Right. They Fuck give you salads. That's a why 90, so they give you that ninety that ninety seven cent apple pie and it's supposed to be all good. Man, we got we about to roll out. Thank you so much, Roy. This has been Thank fucking you. fantastic, yes. bro. Um glad to see everything's going well with you and stuff. Um and yeah, we'll gotta have you back again soon. Tell people where to check you out. It's a pleasure, man. It's just my name's Roy Wood Jr. Put an ad in front of it or a dot com behind it. It's all me. All right. um thank y'all and i mean this when i say man let's not make it nine years before i come back home i won't i'm gonna reach out to you bro now that i know you answer dms i'm i'm gonna hit you back bro i i promise yes. that yes no that's the thing it's it's me it's me it's not you as is i get in my own head like look at this thing he's so successful he, he busy. i know he ain't fucking with niggas no more that's and what it, I said. And, I, and it's all me he didn't say or do anything to make me feel this way this is all me who do i need to contact to get at you to get you on the pod i said Nigga, me. <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right, we about to get cut off, y'all. That's it. Until next time, I love you. I love you too. Mwah. Mwah.